Hello everyone, this is Trevor with Tea Time Reports. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Turn Up the News. This is episode 24 of this little series that we've been doing. Um, you know, this is obviously a place for open conversation, unfiltered conversation about pretty much anything, uh, world events, recent news, and, you know, big things going on around the world that we can kind of just talk about here. And if you're interested in listening, stay tuned, stay tuned in. Um, and if you don't, follow our social media accounts at Tea Time Reports on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. Uh, also, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, Tea Time Reports, and our website, www.teatimereports.com, to learn a little bit more about us and the show, if you so please. But I got a very special guest for this particular episode. First um, time he's been on something like this on this podcast. Um, but Butch, a.k.a. Pops, he's been on a couple times on the podcast before, does his own show for... Um, in memoriam of obviously uh, my uncle Bobby of Fighting Words Radio Network. It's on blogtalk.com if you guys out there want to go check that out. It's predominantly UFC and boxing, uh, some football in there as well, but they get some really big names on there, uh, guys that are athletes and you know connected with sports regardless. But um, thanks for joining me, Pops. Great thanks. to have you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, anytime. You, you know, it's... Um, Definitely going to be an interesting episode, especially with all this kind of weird stuff going on, surprises in the world. But one that I know you're, you've already kind of covered on your show mm-hmm. is the um, ESPN, Fox, Warner Brothers, and TNT uh, merging operation. That big deal that went down. What are your thoughts on that, and how do you think that's going to affect the space? I think that it's a lousy deal for the average Joe out there today. That's going to mean that uh, everybody is not going to be able to see uh, whatever team they want. Right now they can see it, 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 any team that they want. Um, but they're going to have to pay for it now. And this is all, this all goes back to um, the NFL has changed so terribly uh, over the years to a point where it is now a mega million dollar um, corporation uh, paying a, a CEO $15 million a year to do what? He does nothing. He had one one um, press conference uh, yesterday, and he's not going to have another press conference during this whole week. Yeah, for the Super Bowl. For the yeah. Super Bowl. Um when he makes, he doesn't even make rulings on the on the field anymore. Uh, he's not involved in any of that in the investigations anymore. Um, you know, this is this is when pre- Pete Retzlaff. This is going back now. We're going back fifty years ago. Pete Retzlaff was a fantastic uh, player for the Philadelphia Eagles. Hmm. When he retired, he became chairman of the NFL. At that time, the NFL headquarters were in Philadelphia. And uh, he, I think his salary at that time may have been in the top 50s, $55,000, um, That's in, He was only making, he was making less than 70 grand a year? As a player, he made $35,000 a year. Wow. Right, and his, his, his uh, last year he made 50000 That's crazy. Well, we're talking about the 50s no, now. No, yeah. With the economy, you know, it, the space of the economy would probably be a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollars, but 
nowhere near this mega money that, that the, the players are pulling down now. And for years, uh, the owners fought uh, to keep Vegas and Vegas money and gambling out of, uh, out of the NFL. But now, who owns the NFL? Yeah. Barstool. I mean, uh, not bar. I wouldn't say barstool, but I would say all the betting places. No, I I, I get what you're saying. How um, gambling has kind of run the NFL mm-hmm. for at least my lifetime. But um, you you think that the NFL in any way had any connection to this big deal? I guess you can say. Or I think it's you know what because I mean we're talking about. ESPN, Fox, I mean, those are, like, that's one and two for sports media coverage. And then you're throwing in Warner Brothers, and then TNT just to be the cherry on top, which... See, that's the one that really gets me, is Turner throwing in with these other people. Um, he's never been somebody who likes to play in the, in the same sandbox as people. He's always been a, a loner, and uh, actually, he's the guy's made a lot of money. TNT, yeah. When I was a kid, yeah. like... If you were watching cable and wanted to watch like a re- like a show that was kind of not filtered as much, like funny or just kind of brutal, if it mm-hmm. was a cop show or something, you would go to the TNT. Right. Explosions, right. women, crazy stories. Like that was TNT's whole spiel. Right. Like it being right. this kind of wild TV network. But um, it is weird that all those juggernauts in their own way, an outcast one, then you got obviously... ESPN and Fox, the front runners of sports media coverage, an outcast cable network TV, sh- like a network channel, <laughs> and then you have Warner Brothers, which is probably, if not the biggest production company in Hollywood. Yeah. So it's just, what do you think it's going to be? They said it's going to be a joint streaming platform. Do you think they're all going to merge into one entity? You're only going to get one, whatever they want to put on TV. Mm. And, you know, like, um, now one of my partners is uh, Don Henderson who's been uh, in broadcasting for 65 years, has been a um, uh, sports director uh, at WCAU in Philadelphia, WTAF in Philadelphia, uh, WIBG in Philadelphia, um, uh, WABC in New York, went on to um, uh, uh, CBS's uh, Wild World Sports. uh, Wow. I didn't know that. uh, Don's been around. Yeah. Uh, he was the voice of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, the voice of the uh, 76ers, and the Temple Owls for a long time. we got to get uh, Don on the show then, Don the podcast, do a yeah, little interview. He, uh, he was one, the first one that brought it up that he thought that it was a, a, a bad idea mm. and that uh, people in your, your age uh, group may not be able to afford $60, $70 a month, which is what it's going to go to, uh, to be able to get... That sports right now you get a sports package was it, was it 9.95 a month um well it, it varies per platform but peacock tv uh used to be 4.99 a month now it's up to like 14.99 a month um not even just sports platforms or cable platforms for streaming but netflix went up hulu went up um yeah. Fox, I they have their own thing. I think it's called like Fox Sports app mm-hmm. or something. But it's not like this appealing thing. So they're probably, like you said, it's going to be all under one thing. It might be 
I don't think any price could beat the YouTube thing that YouTube has. It's like called YouTube Sunday Ticket, and you pay like seventy-five or ninety dollars just for one year, for one season. You get yeah. every single game. Yeah. That's actually not bad when right. you actually break it down. Like that's not a bad deal. YouTube, you're not doing it terribly wrong, but right. uh, the the rest of these companies are just like you said. They're milking it for what they can. I don't know what NBC is going to do. I mean, we know it. Let's go back to Peacock. You talked about Peacock. The last uh, game for Kansas City versus 49ers was strictly on Peacock. Probably was horrible. 90% of the people in Kansas City did not have Peacock. <laughs> so if they wanted to watch the game, they had to go someplace at a bar or someplace that had it. But even then, most bars not going to have, like. Nope. And I'm not going to lie, I did have Peacock to watch the USFL games for the first two seasons, but it was five bucks a month. It was actually, you know, oh, this is okay. Yeah. But then they raised the price by 10, 12 bucks on top of that five, but it's the same product. They don't do anything new to the platform. They don't put anything else on. There's still ads. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. Don't get me twisted up about ads because everywhere there's an ad now. But it it is crazy what that might look like in terms of... uh, just them dominating quite literally everything in media, influence, sports, analytics, every show, everything is just going to go through, or at least damn near 50% of everything in that matter is going to mm-hmm. go through whatever this new entity is going to be called. Yeah. You know, you, you talked about analytics here. One of the uh, one of the extended conversations we had last night with Larry Boa, uh, everybody knows Larry was a uh, fantastic, he's a uh, Hall of Fame shortstop out of the Phillies. Uh, he was the uh, manager of the Padres. Uh, and Larry's been around uh, baseball all his life. Um, he's now running the uh, uh, Phillies at, uh, farm team here in uh, Clearwater. Mm. But uh, he was talking about analytics and how analytics has come in and he, he thinks has ruined uh, baseball. And the reason for that is, when you get to a certain pitch count now, you got to pull your pull your player, pull your pitcher. Yeah. And you depend on your your um, uh, bullpen. He said, "No wonder the bullpen is you know people are losing games because the guys are gone every two or three days. Uh, they need rest." Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, he felt that. And there's a there's another jargon that he he was talking about. And I can't remember what the name of that is right now, but. Uh, on the business part of uh, baseball, that uh, to look at a, a, a player from how he's performing, you know, uh, not just the performance for phrasal that they would use on the field, but a little bit more in depth. But uh, you know, it's it we're it's here to stay, and we gotta gotta live with it. But uh, it certainly doesn't uh, make sense to me. When I was a, when I was a kid, you went to a game. The pitcher stayed in until he either got beat to hell, yeah, or you he he won the game or lost the game. Either way, yeah. Now, if a guy's in there more than six six innings, and you know this this may come down to the union saying, you know, I'm I'm very very upset about the players' unions both in in baseball and football, uh, but uh, it may have something to do with their rules. It could. But, I mean, that's a good segue into baseball in general. We don't talk a lot about baseball um, on the podcast at all. But, like, 
you said his name, Larry Boa, um, talking about how analytics were kind of ruining baseball. That argument, I feel like, is a very valid one. But in terms of baseball, it's just a game that it's not very captivating for at least a lot of people I know. Just mainly for the pure fact that it's just a game that hasn't really evolved yet. You know, and I feel like numbers kind of, sort of did that, and you saw, and he talked about analytics, but I feel like it's also like you said, the unions players not really wanting to play the game, maybe that they grew up watching, but like their own version. And I, I'll watch a baseball game sometimes, and they'll pull the starting pitcher after like the fourth inning. Yeah, and it's yeah. like the dude's pitched forty times less than that. Yeah, maybe he's sucking. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, and there's really, like, it's weird, but it might also be to the point where the talent in the ML, MLB is just, there's so much. Yeah. So, like, maybe they're just trying to get more people on the mound. Maybe they're just trying to get more different, you know, designated hitters. But, yeah. um... It's, it's funny you were saying about... Uh, he probably hated Moneyball. Oh, yeah. The the, the movie, not, not the... The movie's a good movie. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, but yeah. in terms of, like, what that did to baseball. Right. You know? Yeah, but... The, the uh, uh, many years ago, we had uh, visitors over from uh, Ireland, and we took them to a baseball game. At the end of the game, they stood up, they looked at us, they said, "Well, when's the action start?" You know, because they're used to football or, or soccer, or whatever. Yeah. And there's a lot of action, and just sitting there and watching people, and, and uh, you know, your grandmother has to when she sits down, you don't talk to her. She takes her program, takes her pencil, and she scores the game. Uh, just much like your brother uh, Brady, who not only scores a game but uh, figures out what their average is, but at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, no, my mom, she could probably name certain rosters of oh, the yeah. Phillies from the '70s and '80s and stuff. Oh yeah. I think she actually has for me, especially when I was a kid. Yeah. But yeah, like it's a interesting topic of discussion though. Is like people do think that analytics are kind of overruling and ruining sports i can see that side of the argument especially with baseball Mm -hmm. and um shout out to danny abel uh he told me this and i this never left my mind he's like baseball is the most unnatural sport on the planet every movement is unnatural and i could see maybe just the pure strength of players in baseball now just being a lot weaker more fragile because, I mean, you go back to the 90s, I mean, or just the 80s, the Royd era, where everyone was just hitting, sure. you know, grand slams. But I just think it might come down to just the spine of players now. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I tweaked my, you know. And don't get me wrong, I've never thrown a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. But I can safely say that, I mean, I'm sure from your era, watching that kind of game compared to now, it's a lot different. It's probably a lot slower now. Yeah, it is. There's a much, lot. Much, much slower. I mean, you know, and talking about slow, there was a guy whose name was Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle. He, now, now, that guy, Boa, and he were, were teammates. In Larry Philly. Boa and Charlie Hustle? They yeah, were? They both played in Philly in uh, the 60s. Mm. In fact, that's where he ran into his problems because he had a wife and then he had a girlfriend who was a Playboy bunny at the Playboy Hotel down in uh, oh. Atlantic City. And that's where he started gambling. Mm. And and then when he started betting on his own, that's when they threw him out. But there was nobody hit that ball as hard 
or ran as fast or hustled to the bag as that guy. Mm. I mean, when you had, that lineup was, uh, you'd have, say, uh, Robin Roberts on, on the mound. You'd have uh, uh, Tim McCarver catching. You had first base was Charlie Hustle. Uh, second base was uh, uh, Lou Krause. Uh, shortstop was uh, uh, Larry Boa. Third base was Mike Schmidt. Left field was Lazinski. Uh, center field was the Sarge. And then you had Brown on uh, downtown, uh, Charlie Brown, uh, Tommy Brown in, uh, in right field. Well, and, I'm just letting everyone out there because we don't have a camera here. He did not have his phone out or a piece of paper. That was just all memory. Just What year was that roster? That would have been the 80s. So the 80s? Yeah, seventies and eighties, and God, they were they, they, You know, you met uh, met uh, uh, Lazinski, and uh, one of the questions that uh, when we were up in Philly, one of the questions that uh, your grandmother had when was, boy, I used to love to watch it. She said, but I used to listen to Mike Schmidt, and he said he'd be going out to catch a fly ball, and he'd hear you huffing and puffing in. And he said he had to get out of the way because he knew if he didn't, you were going to run him over. <laughs> And that's the kind of that's the kind of team they had. Was really cohesive team. You don't. You definitely. I mean, obviously, we're not on a baseball field and like mid game now. But it's you don't really see players like that mm-hmm. anymore in yeah. baseball. And, and I can throw out a, a name that's obviously. This seems like a if you're a <laughs> Philadelphia baseball fan in any fashion. Um, Bryce Harper reminds me of a guy like that or a guy of that era. Just passionate, hits the ball really well, a very smart player as well. And I know my mom really likes to watch him play, so you know, gotta yeah. that adds points on it yeah. too. But you know, when you watch the local team, the Rays and shout out to Brandon, he does his uh, due diligence covering them and we'll have some more episodes and coverage on the Tampa Bay Rays for sure coming up. But they Evan Longoria back in the day, but there really, you know, hasn't been many of like guys that a non-avid fan of baseball mm-hmm. that I can name off the top of my head, besides obviously Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, who's amazing. But like after that, it kind of falls off. I mean, I'm sure you feel the same. Like you can name probably say pluck yourself out of this time period right now. Put yourself in '85. I'm sure you can name 30 fucking starters mm-hmm. that is that are hitting hitting balls in the MLB at that time. Right. Right. And now I'm struggling to even name. Ten, <laughs> you know. Watch, watch, go, go, get to the field prior an hour prior to the game, and watch batting practice. See how many guys come out of the dugout to take broad at batting practice, and see how many balls they hit. They hit if they hit twenty, it's it's that's a lot. Mm. It used to be these guys would come out, they'd be there two three hours before the game. They'd hit a hundred balls. Oh, they were already yeah. warmed up. Yeah, they were ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Like the intensity of it, it's kind of gone. You know, the intensity went 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 down when the when the price went up. Mm, yeah. You know, and that's that's another big peeve I have is when when my children were small, we could go to the veteran stadium. They had a, a Sunday afternoon game. It was called a knot hole game. It was twenty five cents for them to get in. Wow. And we paid full price. It was twenty five cents, and you could bring a cooler. Now you with, can bring with stuff lunches, in, yeah. Yeah, you know, with lunch stuff for the kids. And uh, we used to love to take them up there. My father-in-law, God bless his soul, had a, 
emphysema. Mm. Now, the, <laughs> the problem with the seats, the 25-cent seats, was they were all the way up in the 700 level. Oh, yeah. And that poor guy would take him a half hour to get up there because he had to stop and get breath and things like that. But he just he just loved those games. And, he, and the kids loved it, too. You yeah. don't have that anymore. If you look at the stadium, three-quarters of the stadiums are empty because people can't take kids to the game anymore. I'm not even going to lie. Like, even just a regular, like a regular seasoned baseball game right now, there's... Maybe a few hundred people there. Just as much as a WNBA game. And I'm not even trying yeah. to be funny when no, I say that. No. Like, like the attendance in person at baseball is pathetic. It has been for like 10 years. And I, I, I don't know why. Is it pricing? I don't sure. think so. It, it could be in different states. But at least with the Tampa Bay Rays, like, crappy seats are like $40. Like, it's not... It's not yeah. You know that's a little stupid, especially if this if it's literally going to be empty. You should pay five bucks, but I mean if they if they genuinely drop the prices down to like a national average of like thirty dollars for just ordinary seats, like I feel like they would rejuvenate some more luck because kids still love baseball. People still love baseball. There's still so many athletes trying to mm-hmm. get into the ranks of the MLB, but that it's just. You only watch it if you play it, it seems. You know, yeah. like, or if you have played it in the past. Because yeah. it's hard to, like, reintroduce or introduce baseball to people, especially women. But that's, I, I mean, that's another thing. It's like, they got to change either the look, the appeal, the price, something about the game to, to really get it back to where maybe it was. I don't think it'll ever get back to where it was, but it, back, it might. Back in the early 90s. I had uh, season tickets. Uh, they were in the uh, fourth row back from the field, uh, first baseline. It cost me $495 a year. Now those same seats for one game are like $125 a seat. Uh, you know, yeah. It's, just, it's, uh, it's amazing. You can't... It was used to be... A, in fact, back in the 50s, when Chevrolet wanted to sell sell cars, they, they had a jingle that was baseball, apple pie, and Chevrolet. That was that's what they used to. That was their song, their theme song. That was like the the motto back yeah. then. In, when in the early nineties, oh fifties, fifties, yeah. So apple pie, baseball, and Chevrolet. Yep. All right. Well, the, for the fifties, it was that guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I now, love it. Now what would the race say? Mm. What, what what do they what you know? I can remember back in the '60s going to. I was living in Los Angeles, going to to uh, uh, college, and uh, we I got a chance to go to. They opened up Chavez Ravine. Oh my God! I was used to the old uh, Connie Mack Stadium, which was clapboard at best and and uh, you know, tin roof and stuff. This place was. Immaculate. It had a bowling alley. It had a, it had a, a what was it called the Connie Mack Stadium? Connie Mack Stadium. It was was twentieth uh, and uh, Lehigh Avenue, Philly. Mm. Um, that was before the vet. Um, and but the, the the ravine was just just immaculate. And now they're moving out of there because the place is you know even though they've kept it up, they can't keep up to the to the new standards. I mean, you go to Houston. Yeah. 
oh my god that place is it's like a uh, you're going into a, a fine restaurant because they have restaurants all through the the second level um, you know the, the bars and everything um, and uh, you have a lot of cover in case you get uh, bad inclement weather yeah um, but uh, again you can't afford to take a family I take a family to say let's let's say go to a raise game you got forty dollars a ticket you, t- you have five kids that's 200 bucks there plus you and your wife that's 300 bucks right yeah yeah that's just to get in the door plus parking then we go for sodas or twelve dollars then you go for parking which is twenty eight dollars and you go for a, a hot dog a simple foot-long hot dog ten dollars <laughs> You get a hamburger, it's $18. You get a thing of popcorn for $12. Yeah. Right? So now we're, we're talking close to 1000 bucks to take a kid, take the kids to the Just game. for a day. Just for one event. Yeah. yeah, no, it's just a lot of middle class families, no way they can pull that. Yeah. No matter how much you want to, you're just, you're going to just, and this goes back right to the conversation we were having, you're just going to buy the subscription service. And they're forcing people in their own way to stay at home, yep. stay on your TV, don't actually go to any of these things because it's right. for the uber wealthy in a sense. And it, it's crazy to think about in a great way to break it down like that. You just can't afford to take a family. It's a really good uh, point. Yeah. But moving into, I guess, our, our last topic uh, of this episode and Obviously, the interview with Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin has not come out yet at this time. It is currently February 8th, 4.39 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's apparently coming out in a little over an hour, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, And it's interesting. When I told you that the other day, that Tucker Carlson was doing that, what were your thoughts on that, Pop? I I was flabbergasted. In well, a in a good way or a bad way? Well, it wasn't in fact that he would go over there and do it, cause, but he's trying. You know, he's trying to make a name for himself, because there is something circulating that uh, Trump is, is talking to him about being the vice president uh, candidate. Um, but to go to talk to Putin, Putin is Putin is probably the most dangerous person in the world right now, mm. dying or not. I mean, I've heard this cancer thing for hell ten years, and he still looks as 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 yeah. good as he ever has. But he'll pull the button on you at any time. I agree. And, you know, to think that you're going to get a a true value of your conversation out of that, to me, is just a waste of, of, of Carlson's time. Now, I have a lot of a lot of respect for Tucker Carlson. He, he, does, he talks about the, the same type of values that, that the general... They, uh, what was it they used to call them? The average Joe. Yeah. Uh, the general population, general population. Of, the, yeah, of the United yeah. States. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's like represents a, probably a majority of people's values. He stepped in where, where Rush Limbaugh had, had uh, dropped off. I agree with that. Because yeah. he has an interesting story. The late 90s, like he was on CNN. He was a liberal, yeah. shouting, angry man. He's changed a lot for sure. Mm-hmm. Um but I agree with what you said that Putin is probably the most feared person on the world in the world. But and then there's the other side of that coin to where, like villages in Africa, despite what people think or like are told, 
villages in Africa, Asia, like the Russian government do, do send aid. They do what we do essentially with the UN. They're a superpower. Their dominance and presence is felt everywhere. A lot of people would also argue that we are just very lied to about him. And I just, I don't want to like have it focused on Putin. I want it to be about just finding the truth. Mm -hmm. Because we know that obviously Putin, for just tactical sake, he's going to lie. Probably 100% of it will be a lie, but we can depict... Yeah, who's KGB? Uh, yeah, no, you, Secret Service and, yeah. you know, yeah. an yeah. officer during, yeah. you know, when the Cold War ended and stuff. And yeah. I just think that we there's a lot we could learn from this. And I just want to know what actually is going on in Ukraine. Because it, it's just a mystery. Yeah. No was, one knows. We're, we're, we're dumping more money into to the Ukraine than, than we did uh, to Vietnam. For, we're not even... For that, we have no boots on the no ground. we have no return on either one. Yeah. You know, the one thing it sends chilling, uh, um, chill down my spine is back in the 80s, uh, it was Reagan and uh, Khrushchev met at a small college just outside Philadelphia, Rowan College. Uh, it, was it was Glassboro uh, Teachers College. It's now Rowan University. And the, the whole thing at the end of the conversation, uh, Khrushchev... Uh, looked over at, at, at Reagan and he said, prepare yourself. Because in the, the future, the very near future, everybody will be under communistic rule. It's coming. And I look at now, things I'm worried about at, at, with this election is civil war. Mm. In many, many cases. Uh, you know, if you take a look at the uh, at the, what, what's going on in Seattle. Yeah. You know, the government's given up on, on Seattle. They let the, these people come in there and just run it. You know? Yeah. I mean, that happened um, during that whole George Floyd, BLM, mm -hmm. you know, takedown and the cities were being kind of destroyed and stuff by Antifa members. Right. Um, a lot of big cities are just simply uninhabitable right. at this point for just genuine people. Unless you're a scumbag or a crime, a crime guy, you know you're um, you're not really gonna do well in a place like Seattle, Chicago, or I'm talking the city. You know? I'm talking the actual city, the inner right. city. If you say, right. "Oh, don't talk shit about Chicago or Seattle," I'm not talking about the suburbs outside of it. No. I'm talking about the actual city, where cops right. are getting walked up on, ambushed, right. shot in their cars, where cops don't even respond to calls anymore in Seattle, for that matter. Right. Their whole department's a mess at this point. So is Minneapolis. But yeah. it, do you think that getting back to this interview with Putin, do you think that, like you said, Tucker Carlson has a strong nod for VP if Trump goes and Trump wins? And you just said you're more scared of anything than civil war if you know mm -hmm. this next election is not going the way that people want it. Do you think that this interview could maybe shed some light? And what if, you know, what if Putin says something that kind of blows a, a door open and, you know, exposes something? What if Tucker's able to find something out there? I mean, apparently he's looking for stuff on the Clintons and the Bidens with their investments in Ukraine and Serbia. Yeah. So I can I can see that I can see Putin giving that up as as dropping any major bombs. Like I said, he was KGB. He's not going to give up anything that 
that he, he doesn't, doesn't yeah. want to give up. Um, but it, it, this is where you're going to find out what kind of a journalist he really is. Because if he digs properly and he asks the same, the, the proper questions, then we may get some slight uh, information. Mm. I would, you know, I, I, he will give up anything he has on the Bidens. He'll give up anything he has on the Clintons. Uh, and, you know, and to be perfectly honest with you, on the Obamas too. Because mm. Obama was involved in this whole thing from the very beginning. Oh, well, I mean, he's, I mean, if we're just being honest, he's the president right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the one calling the decisions and calling the shots. He he said this on camera, and I quote, if I could have a third and fourth term, I would. For third or fourth term, I would. He said this, if I could have another guy step in. That's a and, talking head. That's what he and called. act, yeah, and act like he was the president and I could just make the decisions. That'd be great. He said this. You can look this up. And these people of power, they he, say these things right in front of all of us. He has a shadow government running right now. Mm. And... Let me say this. My fear is when they get to the convention, if Joe Biden, we see him slipping more and more. And I, you know, I, I know Joe, I've known Joe for, God. I mean, he's been 50 in 50 years. He's been in the game I, I forever. I knew him from, from Claymont. I knew, you know, I worked his campaign when he ran for uh, uh, Newcastle County uh, governor, uh, government. Um, and then when he ran for Newcastle County Executive, and then his first term <clears throat> for the Senate. So you knew him in Newcastle <clears throat> County? Where was that in Delaware? And it's just below the uh, Pennsylvania line. So you knew Joe Biden like legit personally yeah. and spoke with him? And Oh, yeah. Wow. And what was he Joe like? Was very, very, Joe was always very sharp, and but he was always looking for the next thing. Um. Joe was uh, a very neat dresser, uh, very very well spoken. I mean, uh, you, you, he could have been president back in the '80s when he was running against uh, uh, what's his name, Pete Dupont. <clears throat> when he was running against Pete Dupont. Yeah, Pete Dupont and, and Joe were both running at the same time, um, and uh, who was it? And then that would have been Reagan. But no way he was beating had, Reagan back then. Had he kept his mouth shut. Yeah. He said some horrible things in the 80s. Yep. And then he kept his mouth shut about his, his academic uh, um, background, where he told people that he was ahead of his class, and he, this and that, and other one. The truth was, he was 88 out of 120 in his class. And, <clears throat> but, you know, that's all over the thing, all over the dam. But right now, when he says, when he meant to say the president of of France, and he, he, he says, he, it says De Gaulle, who's been dead for 10 years. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, he's slipping, and you see every time you go someplace that she's right by his side, just like... Oh, uh, Jill? Jill, yeah. Uh, just like uh, uh, Nancy Reagan was. Nancy Reagan, for all intents and purposes, during his his, his last couple of years, she made, made the decisions. And you, you see this with Jill Biden. She's literally always with him. She's completely 100% coherent. But, yeah. I mean, you knew the guy. I mean, we've all seen the videos of him. You, you described him perfectly in a sense. He was well-dressed. Mm-hmm. He was sharp. He had a good wit to him. He'd come back like that. 
But he was kind of a racist scumbag, even in the 80s. He said some things about segregating schools even then. And that's the 80s. This is the 1980s. Remember, he was one of the, he was one of the ones that made the decision to desegregate, to desegregate the Wilmington School District because he was a member of the, of the uh, um, Newcastle County government at the time. Mm. And that's when they had, they did have riots. I mean, they were shooting, they were burning. There was, was, there was an awful lot of, you know, we lived uh, eight, ten miles from, and your, your, your aunts and uncles and all, and your mom all went to school. And, and we, your mother, your grandmother made sure they went to school at a very small Catholic school um, that was in the, in the, what could be considered the ghetto. Yeah. But it was the best education they could have gotten because the nuns there really gave their all to those the nuns, kids, yeah. the kids, and the and the community. They were very much involved in the community. Mm. Um, but uh, it's crazy that you knew them back then. I'm sure there's. I mean, I'm sure if anyone out there wants to do their own research, but look up Joe Biden, Newcastle County. Mm-hmm. You know, government career. Um, Actually, he started out as when he got out of law school. He had a job as a um, uh, public defender at uh, in Wilmington in Newcastle County uh, courts, but Delaware courts. Delaware courts. And, yeah, no, um, that's cool. And he couldn't really couldn't make a lot of the money that he wanted to make. Yeah, yeah, of and, course not. You know now, you know he's he's always grown with uh, with politics. He's he's made himself a. Uh, Nice bundle. Well, in the four years interim of his vice presidency and now presidency, he was a consultant for the University of Delaware, making, uh, I think, over a million dollars a year. University Not, of Pennsylvania. I, I think it was Delaware. Yeah, I, he was at the University of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But in this particular four-year stretch, he has everyone that is in his um, security council mm-hmm. now worked for him there. Blinken, Mayorkas, every one of them. It's, yeah. And at the, it's crazy. And he ran the, the American Cancer Society, which gave him uh, carte blanche to go around the, the country at, at no cost. I mean, he was everything was paid for, but he was getting $100,000 a speech. <laughs> Just to speak. Mm-hmm. Wonder, like, that's crazy. That is crazy to even fathom. But I have two questions to kind of wrap up the episode. Mm-hmm. First question since you knew, since you knew Joe Biden younger, you know, as a younger man, mm-hmm. you and him both in a sense, and you obviously grew up, you grew up in the same area as well. Yeah, well, actually, he was born and raised in in uh, uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Mm. He didn't move to Delaware until he was. Uh, well, yeah, we play. I played against him in '61 when he was. He lived in uh, in Claymont. He went to Archmere Academy. I played at St. James, and we played against each other. Football? Mm-hmm. Mm. That's, what was he, do you definitely, my question leading back to that is, you think that he's feeble? Like, you watch him? And, Absolutely. And, I, I mean, like, I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, no, I'm just trying to absolutely. genuinely. I, I feel so bad for him. You know, in the last four years, this really has worn him down. If you look at him, he's drawn, he's pale, uh, he's... His, uh, he never, uh, whenever he would be speaking, never had to stop. Yeah. And then go. Yeah. Because sometimes he has to think of what he's saying, or somebody has to tell him in their ear. Yeah. What he, what to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's up there on the on the on the uh, teleprompters. Teleprompters, right? but 
sometimes he, uh, and then he got caught a year ago. Uh, he would repeated the line, and then he says, "Oh hell, I've repeated that." Oh my god! Yeah. So I mean, he's literally not. I mean, obviously he's a human being, but like he's not even genuinely like his own person anymore. No. Like he's just being told what to do and say. And my second question is, if let's say, let's say the loser doesn't admit defeat in this election. What do you think will happen? Do you think it'll come to that? Do you think the loser no, will? I think my thoughts are, from what I'm seeing, what I'm reading, and look at the Supreme Court today, he's telling Colorado, you had no right to take Trump off the ballot. People are going to, I, I think the polls will close at 7 o'clock, like they always do. Mm. And by 7.20, you'll have the winner. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think it's going to be a landslide. You know, you think Trump's going to win in a landslide. And it's interesting to say that because obviously you see people that, and talk to people that are different in ways of thought. I've legit only seen and talked to like maybe four or five Biden supporters. Mm -hmm. I have no idea how he won in 2020. I really, I don't have any clue. But I, I that's crazy to think. I, I So you do believe that if Biden loses, they'll give that up. They'll step down, step aside. Uh, yeah, he'll, he will. He'll be more of a man than Donald Trump was when he lost. Donald Trump didn't even come to his inauguration. Didn't shake his hand. Didn't do anything. Uh, he will come because that's Joe. Uh, he, he's a social animal. Mm. Uh, if uh, you know, that's a good way to put it. A social animal. Yeah, that's, I like that. Yeah, he, uh, and, and believe me, uh, going back over those years, I can think he was, he's a, he was a good man. He tried, but then like everything else, I don't care if it's, uh, here, there, uh, Tallahassee, Washington, they get to drinking that company water and they become jaded, mm. you know, um, I, I, Kid that I that played football for me years ago uh, at uh, Cardinal Mooney and and soccer played soccer for me at Cardinal Mooney is now going to be elected uh, to the uh, RNC uh, the Re Re Republican National Committee and wow. will probably be he's either going to be the new chairman or the new vice chairman that's uh, uh, Joe Gruder's Senator Joe Gruder's here in uh, Florida. Wow. Um, and he, he ran, uh, Trump's campaign back in, uh, 16 and then again in, in 20, he was a vice chair because he had, was at that time was president of, or was chairman of the Republican party of Florida. Um, I, I, I just talked to Joe yesterday about things and, uh, uh, I, I just had, I mentioned to him about the, uh, my thoughts that they'll close it and he says, that's you know extremely possible. Uh, there's so many things in the works that uh, will come out, and we're starting to see that. That you know, with Carlson doing this thing and, and asking questions, um, you know, there's a there's the the, the problem with the uh, the files. 
uh, being at the house yeah. in Wilmington. Yeah. And the files being in his uh, 67 Corvette that his son was driving around. Hunter was driving around. Mm. You have the problem with Hunter. Hunter uh, Hunter's a whole problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anybody that's in the Navy and gets tossed out of the Navy because of heroin use, you know, you know there's there's a real problem. Uh, yeah. That, that Yeah, that's... Uh... That's a great way to put it, because... Yeah. I don't want to go into to the, the depravity that I know of about Hunter, um, but there's... Uh, Have you ever met Hunter Biden? Oh, yeah. He used to play uh, soccer with your Uncle, Uncle uh, Frankie. Uncle Frankie and Uncle Bobby? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. At, As a kid? And... Yeah, at the uh, Wilmington YMCA, and then they played against each other. They went, Those two went to Tattnall, which was a very uh, exclusive school. And uh, Frankie went. Frankie and Bobby went to Howard, which was a um, vocational school. And, and uh, you was he a weird kid? Was he a weird kid, or was he just like a genuine, athletic kind of guy running around, just a standard kid, or was he weird? Bo was Bo was was good. Bo was always um, he always did everything by the book. Hunter tried to sneak. Hunter was always cutting edges. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, one time he he tried to. They were coming down the field. Frankie was dribbling. He tried to step in and take the ball off. And the next thing you know, he went ass over tin cups because Frankie uh, let him have it. Yeah. And uh, which, <laughs> to this day, he he uh, proudly announces to everybody that, that he meets that he had uh, knocked a hunter on his ass <laughs> as a kid. That's funny. <laughs> That is funny, but I guess the last thing I'll ask is, and this is definitely a, you know, you don't need to answer this, but there's things about what was what was Joe Biden's daughter's name? Uh, wait a minute. I can't remember her name. First one was Amy. Amy. She had like a diary that's pretty infamous. So you, I don't know if you've heard about that. Yeah. Do you find any? truth to those allegations about you know what she was saying about the bathtub i'm sure you know about some of the crazy stuff she said she alleged yeah. that joe biden would do to her and her brothers in this diary no i don't you don't think that that's true you think it's fake or just false I, I flags think, remember her brothers were were both um athletes and they were both getting a lot of accolades from that athletes mm. she she's the second she back let's go back to again go back to the 80s when joe, joe first got elected uh marnie his wife yeah went out to cut down the christmas tree we always went out and tag the christmas tree on thanksgiving day and then we cut it down the week before christmas so you had a fresh tree mm-hmm Marnie went out to get the tree, and um, as they were coming out, she had uh, the baby in the front. Bo and Hunt were in the in the back, and they had, had a uh, Pontiac, old Pontiac station wagon. As they came out of the out of the driveway, uh, in a place in Hokesson, which was at the bottom of a hill, and there was a, a, a tanker truck coming down the, the hill. Bo and Hunt started fist fighting she turned around and tried to get them to stop mm. but her foot went off the off the brake 
and they rolled out into the to the roadway. Yeah. And then um, they were run over by the by a truck, by the tractor trailer. Mother and daughter were killed. Really. The boys were in in uh, a body cast for over a year. And in fact, that's how they how Joe met Jill. She was a, a school teacher at the time. And uh, I had no idea Joe Biden's first wife died. Yeah. Um, so when you get down to asking questions about, she wasn't uh, as as athletic. She wasn't as talented as the boys were. So, how old was she? How old? Well, she she was she wasn't born until after uh, Joe uh, remarried. Oh, okay. So Jill is his second wife. Jill. Okay, so that's her daughter. Then. Right. Amy is Jill's daughter. Well, it's both both their daughters. Okay. But, um, and she's a half sister to to Hunton. And Bo. Yeah, that makes sense. So that is Jill, Jill yeah, and it's, it's family. It's yeah. all family, but same father, different mother. Yeah. So you know, I I put credence to it. No, uh, maybe half and half. But that's uh, still a scary thought, though. This guy, uh, when he was his first year in in Congress or the Senate, every single night. He, he would go to, every day he would take the six, 610 train from Wilmington to Washington. He'd take the 459 from Washington back so that he could be with the boys at the hospital when they were in the hospital. And then when they were home, uh, at night he would be there. Uh, you know, his mom was there. His sisters were there. Everybody was there from the neighborhood trying to, to help him out. They, they cooked for him. They did everything. Mm. Uh, and when it came time to take the boys out of the cast, they were the the, um, the uh, there was no at that time there wasn't really physical therapy. They called it pattering, mm. so you had to work the muscles, you know. And people would take turns going over and help pattern the kids, uh. so that they would be able to walk and talk again. Got it. So they would just help and, them get back. And that's how he met her. She she was one of the people that volunteered to do that. Oh wow. And then they started dating, and next thing you know, they were married. And they, they, his family, they lived near you guys when you were. Yeah, they all we we all lived in the same area. Oh wow, that's crazy! What a small world. Yeah, his dad was a um, was a that um, worked for for Dupont, and uh, his uh, his brother Jimmy and Frank and his sisters, they all lived uh, in in Claymont. Hmm. That's I. That's crazy. I did not know that you even knew them like that. That's definitely insane. And I definitely really appreciate you for hopping on this news episode. Yeah, Glad right. that we got to talk about some of those interesting things. Everyone out there, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Turn Up the News with Tea Time Reports. Greatly appreciate all the support. If you're out there listening to this on whatever platform you are, please give it a follow and a like or whatever. Uh, all that is greatly appreciated and definitely needed to grow uh, the way we want to. So again, thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode. Stay awake and take care. Bye-bye.